Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Today we're going to, um, tell you what, we're going to read an entire chapter. I started to, you know, just sort of tell you the story, and then I realized I want to read it. There's so much in the story. So if you've got a Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17, we're going to talk about David and Goliath. First Samuel. Now, if you don't have a Bible and you don't have one on your phone, and you don't have one with you, download version app, open up your internet browser, do what you need to do, but open up, you know, you can, you can find um, online, you can find Bible.org or something like that. You can find Scripture. I want you to follow along with me because I'm going to read an entire chapter of the Bible today. It's like 60 verses, actually. So I want you to hang out with me reading, all right? That's the reason I'm doing it. I should just give you the highlights. I'm not going to give you the highlights. I'm going to do the whole story. Now, we're talking about David and Goliath, and one of the reasons that we are looking at doing a trip to Israel we're going to do a trip to Israel. I believe we've got a, a promotion. We're going to have an interest meeting on October 23rd at 6 o'clock p.m. We're planning on going. I've been researching different companies. And we're looking at going maybe the, uh, I, right now it looks like a June 1st leave date. June 1st leave date, 2024. That's not 23, 24. If you're interested and you would like to be a part, interest meeting is coming up. And uh, so I'm, I'm holding something for me that I heard after first service might be illegal, but it's still mine. I had somebody go to Israel from the church a couple years ago, and they came back and they brought this to me. It was right before we started the building program here, and they brought this to me and they gave it to me. And, uh, and I asked him, well, yeah, it looks like a rock. He said, but it's not a rock from just anywhere. This is a rock from the Valley of Elam. And this is from the stream that David grabbed his five smooth stones. And uh, please don't come after me, Israel Nation. I'm going to keep it if I, they'll let me. But a rock like David might have used to pick up and sling at Goliath. And um, yeah, a couple years ago, I went to Corinth and Athens, and I realized while I was there, Corinth and Athens, that uh, the scriptures are not some makeup story and fairy tale book. This isn't Aesop's fables. This actually happened in real space, real time, real place, real people. And uh, that's why we're going to go. So if you're interested, come to the meeting. All right. Um, you guys have stood a little bit. If you need to stand again, you need to stand again? Yeah, do it. Stand up if you would, real quick. If you wouldn't mind. I'm not going to read a verse. I just wanted you to stand up, stretch. Everybody stretch, come on. I got a couple of minutes here, stretch. Look at somebody close to you and say, doggone you're good looking. <laughs> All right, Lord, I pray you'd bless the preaching and hearing of the word today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now you can sit back down. All right. Y'all ready? Back in 1980... I fell on the bike and I hurt myself. Actually, I did a little more than hurt myself. I messed up this knee. I had minor surgery on it. They did 60 stitches. And you know why I'm telling you this story now, right? Because we didn't have social media in the 80s. <clears throat> All right. You didn't like that joke? Well, you're really not going to like this one. Y'all ready? What do you get when you cross a joke and a rhetorical question? I see a couple of nodding heads. Y'all know what a rhetorical question is. It's a question that you ask expecting that you do not answer it. Uh, anyway, sorry. Fine. I personally liked it. All right? That's a groaner, and I love it. All right. So you ever been in a situation where a comeback seemed totally impossible? Sometimes the odds are against you, like, uh, you know, the Kentucky Derby winner. The odds are against you, and... It's like you don't even have hope. You're wondering why you even show up. Like the parent with young kids. Come on. You can't even get a moment to go to the bathroom by yourself. And you're like, how am I ever going to survive this? 
Or maybe you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're overworked, fatigued, financial stress. Maybe you're single and you're looking for love, or maybe you're hurting from a lost love and you're wondering if there's ever anyone out there for you. Or maybe you have lost health and doctors can't fix it and they're practicing medicine on you and you have limited solutions and you just don't feel good. How about one more? How about maybe you got everything and you wake up in the morning unsatisfied because the one thing you're lacking is a reason for living and the passion to do something. Well, those are all Goliaths because sometimes the biggest Goliath is having no reason. Having all the resources but no reason. <laughs> and what I want to just encourage you today is I want to encourage you that no matter what Goliath you're facing, uh, no matter what giant it is that you're facing, I believe God wants you to win. Um, story is of a guy named Marcus Luttrell. He was a lone survivor. They made a movie about him. And Marcus, um, Marcus was a, um, a SEAL, and he was on a SEAL team in Afghanistan. They had a target they were going after, and, and they were encountering some Af Afghanis, and as they encountered them, the Afghanis, they, they decided to let them go rather than do harm or detain them or so they decided to let them go, and the Afghanis went and immediately turned them in. And the enemy came and attacked them. And Marcus and his SEAL team, everybody died except for Marcus. And he was badly wounded, and he crawled on his hands and knees for seven miles, crawling until he was found by some friendly Afghanis who uh, turned him into the American troops. And I was on his website. I was reading all these stories on his website. And... Um, came across this quote. It's the SEAL team quote. Um, and it's the Navy SEAL creed. It says, I will never quit. My nation expects me to be physically harder, mentally stronger than my enemies. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my teammates and to accomplish our mission. I will never, I am never out of the fight. When I read that, there was something that leapt within me because, you know, there are a lot of people that they think they're called into God's army and they might be. But at Harvest Ridge, I don't believe God has called us just to be enlisted people. I believe God has called us to do something different and to be something different. I believe we should be the SEAL team of the church in this area. I believe God called you not just to exist as a Christian, but to take a step up, to go all in, to be the SEAL team, and to go the extra mile to give deliverance to give hope, to give life, to make sacrifices other people won't make so that God's kingdom can be built in this area. You are called to be the SEAL team, not just the enlisted people. So I want to read this again, and I want to read it with a perspective that you are called to be the SEAL team, and I'm going to make this the, about me and you enlisted for God's church. I will never quit. My God expects me to be physically harder and mentally stronger than every enemy. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I will draw on every remaining ounce of strength to protect my family and to accomplish our mission because we are never, ever out of the fight. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read one of the greatest comebacks in all of the Bible. And I'm going to read all of it because the Bible is better for you to hear the Scriptures than for you to hear me. So y'all ready? First yep. Samuel 17. Should have had enough time to find the Bible online if you don't have one in your hand. By the way, bring a Bible to church. Bring a hard one, one like this that you can mark in. It'll be great. Occasionally God might talk to you. You might want to write some in the notes, right? Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkah in Judah. They pitched the camp at Ephes Damon, between Sukkah and Azekah. And those are some of the funnest verses I've ever read from the Bible. Saul and the Israelites assembled at camp in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. Now the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another. And there was a valley in between them. And it's the valley of what? Elah. And the Valley of Elah apparently has a stream down the bottom of the valley. So you can see this. Philistines on one hill, 
Israelites on the other, a valley in between, a little creek running through the middle. Now, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. Now, six cubits and a span equates to about nine and a half feet tall. Now, I personally have a problem with this because nine and a half feet tall, I know a few things. When I was a kid, I used to read Guinness Book of World Record for fun and the encyclopedia for fun. So, I'm a weird kid. I admit I'm weird. And those were the things I read. And one of the things I ran across is Walter Ludlow was eight feet, 11 inches. And he was the tallest man that we have history of ever being alive on this earth, eight feet, 11 inches. And he died at the age of 20 six, I believe it was, because the pituitary gland that caused him to continue growing in excess caused his heart literally to explode because human hearts are not designed to pump body over an eight feet, 11 inch body. Human hearts are not designed for that. So he died at the age of 26. And now we have Goliath here, nine and a half feet tall, which is in direct opposition to everything that I know about science and everything I know from history. And then one day I was reading and I found out in the Septuagint version, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament, it does not say Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. Instead, it says he was six feet nine inches tall. A little different, right? And that also I found out when I started doing research is found in a lot of the old Hebrew text, but was replaced and, and written over and, and nine and a half feet tall appeared. Now I will tell you that there is a difference between nine and a half feet tall and six foot nine inches. And that difference is sanity. <laughs> right? So if you read the Bible and you were like, there's no way you're one of those that you find things like that. Here's what I want to tell you. If you'll do a little research and you'll wait and you'll have faith, God will give you the answer to every question you have about the Bible to show you it's still reliable. All right, does anybody in the room, you're five feet tall? Anybody in the room five feet tall? Five feet. I don't need five, more than five. You five feet? What's that? You're five feet? Come here, come here, come here. All right. Are you getting, you're a little more than five feet. That's all right. I want to ask you, is there a difference between five feet and six feet? Yeah, yeah. All right. So would I be considered a giant to you if you had to fight me? Yes. How'd you like to come fight me right now, huh? Yeah. No, 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 that wouldn't be good, right? No. All right. So can I explain why a, why a Goliath was so intimidating? First of all, you see physically the difference, right? Right? So the average height, the average height of a Jewish guy during those time periods was about five foot six. That's the height of a male about five foot six, and they were fighting a guy that was a foot taller than them, all right? Here's what else they would do, all right? If you're the shield gear, hold your shield up, all right? He's got a shield. If we're fighting, so squat just a little bit, because not that much, just a little bit. There you go, right there, all right? There you go. Now we're about the right height. So Goliath would stand behind, and the Israelite armies would come, and what the, the shield bearers would go in front, and Goliath would stand behind him. And you're going to find out in a second that he had a, 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 a spear that had a head on it the size of a bowling ball. We'll find out the weight was 16, between 15 and 16 pounds. So you know what he would do? He would take his spear, and when the battle would come, these guys would go, and they would push up against the enemy lines, and Goliath would stand there over the top of them, take his bowling ball spear, and thunk people like this with it. Why was he so valuable? Because I can swing over his head and not kill my guy while I'm knocking the snot out of others. Y'all follow me? Thank you very much for your help, Alex. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. By the way, I'll take him on that fight for about six more months after that, dude. You'd beat me. So did it help you understand the story a little bit more? All right, good, good. That's what I try to do is I try to make the Bible understandable for you, all right? So this guy, he was six foot nine. He had a bronze helmet on his head. He wore a coat of scale armor and bronze weighing 5,000 5, shekels. So he had a bronze hat, bronze helmet to protect him if anybody were to throw, you know, shoot arrows at him. And then he had a, a, a coat of scale and bronze, and his legs were bronze greaves, and bronze javelin was slung on his back, and his spear was shaft like a weaver's rod, so it was really long, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is about 15 pounds, and the shield bearer went ahead of him, and he would just knock over, all right, y'all got that, all right, so here we go, Goliath stood and shouted, 
to the ranks of the Philistines, or ranks of the Israel. Uh, why do you come out, line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man, have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subject. But if I overcome and kill him, then you will become our subjects and he will serve us. First thing I want to say is a lot more rides on this battle than just whether or not David wins. Can I say one other thing? When you're fighting a, a, a Goliath or a giant in your life, when you're fighting a giant that you can't win, I don't know, it's addiction, maybe it's a relationship problem that you have, maybe it's a job you don't have, maybe it's your marriage, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's your own personal demons that you can't get control of. And Demons maybe not mean literal demons, but your personal bad habits. And when you're having those things, you know, you struggle against those and you can't win. I just want you to know, though, it's not just your fight against those things. Your kids are watching. Your family's watching. Your job is watching. There's a lot. Your church is watching. There's a lot more people being impacted by your struggle than just you. So then the Philistine said, this day... I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man, let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So even the king is afraid. Now David was the son of Ephraimite named Jesse. And he was from Bethlehem in Judah. And Jesse had eight sons. In Saul's time, he was very old. Now Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadad, and the third Shammah. Now David was the youngest and the three oldest went to follow Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So let's ask a question. You're going to find out later, Saul has no idea who David is, even though David is going back and forth to him. So what's going on here? Well, if you read the previous chapter, you find out Saul was having trouble with an evil spirit. And what they did is they searched for somebody who could play the harp really good and who would come and soothe him while he was uh, struggling right? So David would show up while Saul is in these frenzies, and he would play the harp for him. So of course Saul wouldn't know who he was because he was struggling just to keep saying, and some boys in the background playing the harp for him real quietly. And that's how David was going back and forth from Saul, but nobody knew who David was because David was a musician, and musicians never get any credit. All right, where are we at now? Uh, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took a stand. How many days? How many? Did y'all say 40? This isn't one day or two days or three days or four days or five days or six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. That's a lot of days, right? 40 days. It's a long time. There's supposed to be a battle for 40 days. What's there not going on for 40 days? There's no battle. Why not? Because Goliath is coming out and yelling at him. It's a lot of talk, but no battle. Now, Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp and take these 10 cheeses to commander their unit. So bread with cheese on it sounds to me like David was the first pizza delivery boy. <laughs> I wonder if he was driving a new Honda too. Anyway, see how, <laughs> see how your brothers are. And bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah. Doing what? Come on. Fighting? Were they fighting? No, there's no fighting going on. Fighting against Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. David made sure his responsibilities were taken care of when he wasn't there. That, some of you should underline that in your Bible. Because uh, you don't show up for responsibility. You don't make sure it's covered. And I just want you to know that's a sin against God and against the church and against everybody else. It's, it's a sin against your family. It's a sin against you. Listen, if you've got a responsibility and you can't make it, make sure it's covered. I don't care if that's picking the kids up from school or that's showing up to work or making dinner. I don't care what it is. Anyway, I could preach on that, but you guys are looking at me like, why are you picking on me? Because I like you, that's why. All right. <clears throat> so he loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Can y'all see this? Oh, let's go kick some Philistine heinies. Whatever they said. <laughs> However it came across. Oh, yeah, we're going to go do this. And they go out, and then what do they do? 
He reached the camp just as the army was reaching its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left things with the keeper and the supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the great man, saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. That sounds like a good deal, except if you went out and you got killed, it didn't matter about taxes anymore. <laughs> Dead people don't take ta pay taxes either. <laughs> David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David is concerned not about a battle, but about God's reputation. We'll come back to that. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother... How many of you got an older brother? Wave at me if you got an older brother. Anybody? All right, then you've heard stuff like this before. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and said, Why have you come out here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down to watch the battle. And my question is, what battle? <laughs> Eliab, you're yelling at him for doing the wrong thing, and you're not doing anything in the first place. Oh. Be careful of people who like to complain about what you're doing while they're not doing anything. Now, what have I done, David said? Can't I even speak? And then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. So David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You can't do that. What are you, nuts? That's the Kevin Crow version. What are you, nuts? You're not able to go out against Philistine and fight him. You're only a youth or a young man, youth. By the way, by the way, if you read the Bible, you're going to find out that nearly everywhere you look in the Bible, great things were accomplished by young men and ladies. Young. Listen, do not despise a young person that gets a dream and gets a passion and wants to do something. I respect young people who want to do something with their lives rather than sit and complain about why things aren't happening. And you know what? As an older guy, I just want to tell you, young people, I respect it when you get some initiative and you want to do something. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the brothers in speech, the way you talk, your faith, your love, your purity. Set an example. Be somebody worth the calling God is placing on your heart. All right. This guy has been a warrior from his youth, and you're just a punk kid. That's what he said. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Listen to this. I was doing my job. By the way, do you want to know how to get promoted? Do your job where you're at. Until you do the job you're supposed to be doing, you're never qualified to do the job you want to do. I think I'm going to say that again. Until you do the job you're supposed to be doing, you will never be qualified to do the job you want to do. Because you do not trust people to do great things that refuse to do mundane things. Well, that's good. That, that'll preach right there. should preach that a little bit more. I think I did. So. All right. David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. I've been doing my job. When a lion or bear came and carried the sheep off from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. Can you imagine that? Going to a lion and pulling a sheep out of the lion's mouth? Come on. Bear? A bear. You going to fight a bear? He says this, your servants killed both the lion and the bear. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. I went after it, verse 35. I struck it, 
rescued the sheep from its mouth, and when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So we're not talking killing from a distance. We're talking about right there. Yeah, and your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine, he'll be like one of them because he has defied, not because I'm good, but because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. A little lesson to learn right here. And the lesson is that every fight is a preparation for a future bigger battle. We'll come back to that. All right. So the Lord who rescued me from those will rescue me from that one as well. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So then Saul did something. Saul dressed David in his own tunic and he put a coat of armor on him and bronze helmet on his head. And David fastened the, new, the sword over the tunic and he tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. And he said, I can't go fighting these. He said, I'm not used to them. Never use somebody else's armor. You know, God's given you gifts that are your gifts. God has given you a passion that's your passion. God has given you vision that's your vision. God has given you strength that's your strength. God has given you those things. Don't use somebody else's armor. Use what God's given you. So he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the stream. Do you all know why he chose five stones? Does anybody know why he chose five? He knew he was going to kill them with one because David didn't miss. But why did he choose five? Yeah, if you read a little later on, you find out that this Goliath from Gath had four brothers. He's ready for all of them. So he took five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch in a shepherd's bag with a sling in his hand, approached Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with a shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. I like that. David had to make sure that was in there. Hey, that David, he's a good-looking guy. Put that in the story. And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? I'm a warrior and you're coming at me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his own gods. Come here, he said. Come here, little boy. I'll teach you a lesson. I'll turn your flesh into the wild animals and the birds of the air. <laughs> David, not to be outdone, looked at Philistine, talked some smack himself. He said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Notice he wasn't fighting for himself. He wasn't using his own language. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I'm not here representing me. I'm here representing him. You need to know who you're fighting for. If you're fighting for yourself, you'll probably get beat. But if you fight for God with the strength of God, I don't believe you can ever truly be defeated. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down. And notice this brag right here. What's he going to do? Come on, what's the next phrase? Cut off your head. This did not make the Bible storybook I read to my kids. There should have been a page there with David holding Goliath's head. Should have been. Sweet dreams, children. This very day, I give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know, but it's not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For whose, whose battle is it? The Lord's. My fight is not against you. My fight is against the powers of darkness propelling you, and I will win because God will get the victory over the enemy trying to destroy and steal and kill. So the Philistine moved closer to attack him, and David froze. No, he didn't freeze. What did he do? He ran towards him. <laughs> Come on now. I, anyway. You, you got battles. It's time for you to quit freezing. It's time for you to quit hiding from them and running from them and making excuses why now is not the time you need to deal with what you need to deal with. Come on. You, you need to actually suck it up and run toward the battle. We're people. If we're to be that Navy SEAL, that, that, no, if we're to be that Christian SEAL team, then you know what? It's time for us to run toward the battle rather than away from it. 
So reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling, a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and he killed him. So David ran over him, took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it out of the sheath, and after he killed him, so he stabbed him in the heart. Well, that was a different story from Psalms. And then he cut off his head with a sword. <laughs> when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. I wonder why. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sherim road to Gath and Ekron, where the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines and plundered their camp. When you fight that addiction and win, there's plunder to be taken. The relationships you were destroying with that addiction will be healed. There is plunder to be taken. When you overcome that financial battle that is destroying your ability to live in peace, there is plunder be, to be taken. That plunder is the plunder of peace. It's the plunder of blessing. It's the plunder of being able to share with those in need. Every battle you face... Whatever it may be, your physical health, there is plunder on the other side. I am tired of the devil having my stuff. I want my stuff back. I want my kids back. I want my grandkids. I want this culture back. I want my stuff back. The relationships the devil's been destroying, I want to beat that Goliath and take it back. And I want to plunder those. Yeah, I'll leave it right there. The devil's got my stuff. I'm, are anybody tired of the devil having your stuff? Yeah. And I'm not talking money or stuff. I'm talking about the things that matter, like relationships and people and hope and peace. So David took the Philistine's head, <laughs> and he brought it to Jerusalem. Now, that's a trophy. David, you have deer heads in your wall. David had heads on his wall. Hey, that's that buck I killed, and that's Goliath. <laughs> Creepy. Anyway. <laughs> Can you imagine going into his den? It would be a little creepy, right? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I read the Bible a little different than most of you. All right. <clears throat> he brought it to Jerusalem, put it the Philistines' weapon in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner. <laughs> whose son is that young man? Abner said, as sure as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this is. And as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul. <clears throat> it's the end of the day. He's brought back from the battle. And he's still what? He's still holding the head. We'll come back to that in a second. Whose son are you, young man? He asked him, I am the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. All right, we're going to go into chapter 18. Y'all ready? After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and loved him as himself. I'm going to give you seven truths that emerge from this passage that tell us how to win against our Goliath. Y'all ready? Do this quick. Number one. A lot is riding on the fight. If your problem, your situation, is enough to keep you anxious, tense, or angry, if the problem you're facing is enough to keep you angry, anxious, or tense, it's because it's a problem you need to deal with. If it's important enough to keep you awake at night, it's important enough to fight. If it's important enough to give you anxiety, it's important enough to fight. If it's important enough to make you so mad you've got to walk out of the room, it's important enough to fight. A lot is riding on the fight. Second of all, God's reputation is on the line. 
If you've given your life to Jesus, your life is no longer your own. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I am, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Therefore, the life I now live in this body, I live by for Christ, all right? Your body's not your own. You're, you now represent Christ. Y'all follow me? So everywhere you go and everything you do, you are representative to the world of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 says, his intent was now that through the church, that means through you, everybody say through me, through you, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So not only are you fighting a fight for the peace of this earth and for your world to be lived under the power of God, you are fighting that God would get glory in the heaven because God says, that's my kid and he's going to win. There's more riding on this fight than just you. And some of you think about your fights way too small. You're worried about you and how you feel about it when God's saying, my kid is giving glory to me before all the powers of the universe. Why did you pick her? I picked her, Jesus says, because she will glorify me by winning. And if you lose... <laughs> then you give God a bad name on earth and in heaven. I lost recently. Uh, my son was in Madagascar, so I was mowing his grass for him. I am not a jack wagon. I know when you mow a grass near a street, you always put the discharge into the yard. I am not that dude. And if you're that dude, may God have mercy on your soul. You turn your discharge into the so you're not throwing rocks at cars as they drive past and you're not, y'all following me? All right. So I have the discharge. I'm driving near Lorraine Road up here and I'm mowing the grass for my son. I'm doing a good deed. You know, I'm going fast because I got things to do and, you know, I'm going quick. And apparently there was a breeze blowing out of the north and at the right moment, a dude going past in his brand new car, a gust of breeze came up and swept a couple of grass clippings onto his car. And he thought apparently my discharge was pointed into the road and he thought I was one of those guys, but he didn't handle it really good. He slammed on his brakes, honked, pulled into the driveway up here, and got out of his car coming at me cussing. So, of course, I just stood there real gently and let him cuss me out. You know that fight, flight, or freeze? I don't know what flight or freeze is. I've never experienced that. I don't know. I only have one response. He came at me. And when he started coming at me, I didn't act very Christ-like. Now, I didn't cuss at him, and I didn't punch him. Wasn't because I didn't want to do either, but, and that was showing from my face and my tone. And I'm like yelling back at him. I tried to make points, but he was cussing me out pretty big, and he's lucky he didn't call me an MF, or if he would have, I would have, he would have lost a tooth right there. Because I come from the school, you don't do that. I don't know. You might be this normal thing. That's all right. You do it now. You do it to an old guy like me, you better duck when you do it, because that means a whole lot more than what you may think it means. You need to be aware that us old farts, we old farts for, see, you see the pride that I struggle with. This is the pride I struggle with. The guy comes at me, starts cussing. I tried to walk away. I didn't. I, you know, I tried to walk away. He followed me. He shouldn't have done that. I turned around. Finally, I looked at him after a couple of minutes, and I said, do you want to do more than talk? <laughs> he said, you want to fight? I said, yes. <laughs> you make the move, bro. Let's go. There's an issue here. I represent Jesus, and I'm supposed to tell that guy that God loves him, and I was ready to beat the holy crap out of him. I did Jesus a real disservice there because my ego and my anger and my angst and my whatever got in the way of representing Jesus, and I lost the fight. And you know what? There were people that I've been trying to share the good news of Jesus with watching it happen.
Not good, you're right. Because even the little battles matter to the world around you. And when you act like me, you give the name of Jesus a bad name. And I had to call about four people and confess my sin to them and ask them to please forgive me. I didn't know who that guy was. I should call him. I don't know who he was. I'm sorry if you're watching online. I, I really wanted to punch you in the moment, but after I've calmed down, <laughs> dude, I forgive you, and I'm sorry. You know, there's more writing on this. When your kids see you act like that, I wish that would have never happened in my house either, but sometimes I get angry at my kids too. Man. Number three, every struggle is preparation for a future battle. David killed a lion and a bear. When he killed a lion and a bear, it was just preparation for the real fight. No, the real fight wasn't Goliath. Goliath was just preparation for the real fight. You see, what you don't realize is there were some real fights that were going to happen later in David's life, and the lion and the bear and Goliath were preparation for the big ones. Goliath was a human, but when your own son's trying to kill you, David needed to be ready for the real fight. Huh. Every, do you know what? The fight you're in right now may not be the biggest fight you're ever going to face. And if you can't win this one, how will you win the next one? Do you know what this one may be? It may be practice. It may be what? And you do not, come on, practice does not make you perfect, but perfect practice makes you perfect. You've got to show up every time fully committed to practice. If not, this is how you sound. When you just talk about practice, we sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not, a, not, not the game that I go out there and, and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? I mean, we're talking about practice. I know I'm supposed to be there. I know I'm supposed to lead by example. Oh, wow. I know that. And I'm not, I'm not shoving it aside, you know, like it don't yes, mean you anything. Did. I know it's important. I do. I honestly do. But we're talking about practice, man. What are we talking about? Practice? I wonder what we were talking about. <laughs> Does anybody question what we were talking about? Yeah, by the way, do you know what the deal was? He didn't show up to practice. And somebody called him out on it because his teammates were calling him out on it. By the way, how many, Allen Averson may have been one of the most talented point guards the NBA has ever seen. How many championships did he win? Zero. Now, if you played on Michael Jordan's team and you didn't show up for practice, yeah, he would chew you up one side and down the other. Because, oh, and by the way, how many championships did Michael Jordan win? Six. I wonder if there's a difference because Michael Jordan showed up for Oh, come on. That's all you got? Michael Jordan showed up for? If you can't read the Bible on a regular basis and you can't pray on a regular basis, what makes you think you're going to win spiritual battles? If you only show up to church when it feels good for you or when something better isn't happening, what makes you think you're going to win any battle if you can't show up for practice? If it's your turn to serve and you find excuses to not serve, what makes you think you're going to win a real battle if you can't show up for? Practice. Are y'all getting me? Yeah. yeah. What if the battle you're in right now is just practice for a real battle? All right. Use your own gifts. We talked about that. God made you special. He made you special. He gave you gifts he didn't give to any other person on this earth. You are a special person made by God. I remember in my undergrad, I was basically castigated all the time because I think differently. You guys hang out, you see it, you hear it. I don't think like everybody else. And I asked questions in my undergrad Bible college. I was always getting yelled at for being weird, for trying to pick fights. No, I'm just asking questions because I want to know the answers to these questions. I want to know how Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. I want to know these things. And I'll never forget the day God spoke to me. I was working through my seminary degree and he said, I gave you your mind. I'm not afraid for you to use it. 
And whatever gift you may have been castigated for, find a way to turn it for God's glory because he gave you that gift. Quit hiding from it and use your gifts that God gave you to build his kingdom rather than letting the world tell you you're so weird. Or even Christians tell you you're weird. By the way, can we identify with this for a second? You're all weird. If you look in the mirror and you think you're normal, then your version of normal is messed up. All right. Number five, know who you're fighting for. Remember, the battle is the Lord's, not yours. So who gets the glory if you win? Okay, who gets the pain if you lose? God. You can pour that out on him too. He can take that. <laughs> Number six, don't let go. David showed up at the end of the day. What was he still holding? Head of Goliath. Now, come on, come on. I coached football a lot of years. I played football, and I will tell you, between coaching and playing, you never see a guy run down the field, smack the living daylights out of somebody, and they're laying there with snot rolling out of their nose, and their eyes roll back in their head, and the person that hit them never gets up from that hit and goes, oh, that was a very fine hit. <laughs> what do they do? Bicep. <laughs> right? What did David do all day long? Can you imagine the Israelite army started slowing down a little bit? What did David do? Woo! Look at this, boys! <laughs> you know what you do? Don't let go of your victory. When God gives you a victory, celebrate it. Can I celebrate? Y'all got a Browns game to go watch today? Oh, so you've been celebrating for three days, huh? So you don't have a Browns game. All right, then can y'all give me two minutes? Yep. You come in here, and you sit in this space, and some of you still don't know how big a victory you're sitting in. This new addition we put on when they found the springs and they found houses underground, and we, all the things that went into it, this, this building that we started with $700,000 and a $2.2 million loan, do your math, you'll come up with that, and we built a $4.5 million building. I don't know how it happened except God. Those numbers don't add up, everyone. So if you've ever been blessed, come on, we couldn't fit all you in the chapel up there. You, in fact, you're here today. You're living under a blessing from God. God is able to do miracles. I don't know how it happened. I ain't got a clue, but I know this. This morning, I want to lift up the head of Goliath and go, Woo! We can praise God in this place because this is a miracle. <laughs> miracle. All right. And then last of all, he made a friend. He made a friend. Him and Jonathan became close friends. One, one more story. You guys don't know all the pain I went through in this process, but we literally shut down work on this whole project. For about three months, we hired lawyers. <laughs> uh, we were being stolen blind by our, our uh, contractor. They would say they weren't, so we hired lawyers to get involved, to, sort it out. In the process, I wound up with panic attacks, controlling, un <laughs> uh, shivering uncontrollably. I lost feeling in my face for about six weeks. The left side of my face, I fully lost feeling. I was, I was losing. And a guy came alongside me, and his name's Matt Vertiber. And he, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he came alongside me. And you know what he told me? First of all, you're not crazy. They are robbing you blind. Let's fight them together. So you know what we did? He had the same attitude as me. I had the same attitude as him. And we fought together. And we fought side by side to get this thing done so you'd have a place to come and worship today and hear God's word. And we fought together. And I want you to know, in that fight, we didn't just fight for a church building. In that fight, we became friends. We we started talking about stuff you don't talk about unless the waters go real deep. Come on, we started fighting together with a passion together that I got his back all the time, 100%. Come on, do not mess with Matt. You got me to fight too. And I know he's the same way about me. And when you fight these battles with someone, that's why God gave you a spouse to fight with, not fight against. That's why God gave you friends. That's why God gave you a family. That's why God gave you a church. 
We're here for one another. And you create relationships that are strong and they'll last forever. All right, I'm done. I'm over, way over. You gotta ask a question, okay? All right? Anybody in the room, you got a Goliath? You were identifying your Goliath the whole time I'm talking. You got a battle, it's a big one. And you were identifying it. You're sitting here and you're saying, yeah, I got this fight. All right, that's you. You're never gonna win a Goliath till you decide to do something. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand like really meekly with our heads bowed and eyes closed. I got a Goliath to fight. You know what you got to do? Get up on your feet. Come on. You got a Goliath to fight. Get up right now, right now, right now, around this room. You've identified it. You and God are going to talk about it. The battle is here. It's right now. In the name of Jesus, every person standing, Father God, give them the strength, give them the power, give them the vision, give them the tenacity, and give them the knowledge that they're fighting not only for themselves, but for everyone in their world and for the glory of God. And I pray, God, right now, you would put in them a fighter spirit in the name of Jesus, that they would win the battle, that they would overcome the impossible, and that they would know that there is a God in heaven that you glorify your name by giving them the strength to win in the name of Jesus. Do the miracle right now. Start the process because the miracle is their decision to keep going in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everybody stand with me if you would. I want to ask one more question. If you're in this room today and Jesus is not yet your Lord, it is a good day to make Jesus your Lord because you're never going to win life's battles until you come under the Lordship of Jesus. And you say, today is my day. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make him my Lord. If that's you, lift your hand real high. I want to pray. We want to pray right now. If you're in this room, real high. I know everybody's looking at you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There are others? thought I saw. All right. Then we got one of two options then. Tell you what, let's just do this anyway. Everybody pray out loud with me, would you? I'll say a prayer, you repeat it. Y'all can do this, right? Dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you were resurrected and that you reign as king over all the universe. I give you my life. Be my Lord. Amen. Now, if you prayed that and you meant it, you've never prayed that before. That's not your last prayer, but that's a good one to start with, right? All right? All right, we're going to... I can't do this to our kids' workers. I'm to blame. We're supposed to end real big and sing a song. I apologize, guys. They're going to sing a song. If you want to stay in worship, you can. You want to dedicate this. Maybe you need to come to the front and spend some time in prayer. They're going to be here because they're serving you this morning. But you know what? We got kids workers back there serving you right now. Let's do them some justice and let's go get our kids, all right? May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and to give you victory and peace in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Have a great week.